0: Today on Refried Reviews, Chev Chelios just will not stop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he uh, he won't die. He he will not die. Um, we we watched uh, that. seemed like the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah, that's the moral of the story. Is Jeff Chelios is is like Jason. He's just unkillable. Eventually, someone's gonna shove a a, a giant iron spike into his chest and uh, have it struck by lightning and bring him back as a zombie. Which feels a little bit T eight hundred as well. <laughs> it does actually. He's kind of. It, it, this is this movie. These movies are like if the Terminator was the good guy. Um but didn't have like the daddy subplot of Terminator Two. <laughs> it doesn't know? have a lot of subplots. No, there aren't no subplots. Yeah. Uh so we watched crank one and two. Welcome back to Reef Rad Reviews. I'm John. I'm JP. And uh we actually have our very first guest joining us in the history of Reef Rad Reviews. Uh would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I am Neville Dean, and Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, it was a hell of a get. Um we uh we we're really, really happy to have uh to have, to have gotten both uh, directors of Crank in one body somehow—it's um, <laughs> very exciting. My name is Garrett Callender. I'm a huge fan of the Crank movies. Yeah, yeah. Was, um, I'm, I'm glad. Right I'm, I'm glad we got you on here. Um, tell us where you stand with, with Crank, especially Crank Two. Crank Two is the single greatest film ever made, and I'm saying that com- with no irony. Okay, that was going to be my next qualifier. <laughs> it was like, do no you irony. mean that? Like, so you sincerely believe? Sincerely. That it is a better film than Citizen Kane, The Godfather Part Two, um, I don't know what other ama- like what, what else is is, is straight I up. I mean like canon. Kubrick's catalog and yeah all like that sort better better than Clockwork Orange, better than uh, Spartacus, better than Ben Hur. This movie than- is a work of art. It is a work of art that deserves everything. Oh, I God. did refer to it as like an art film at one point when I was watching it. Yeah, me. no, he did say that. Yeah, it um, is an art film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's an expensive trauma movie. I, it's a I $14 said 14 million dollar trauma. movie. I said okay. trauma movie more than once. Actually, it cost 14 million dollars. Crank two. Day? Yes, it did. Okay, now we're gonna be to be clear, we're gonna be <laughs> talking about. Don't come cheap. <laughs> I think the plural actually is statham. <laughs> <laughs> um, now to be clear, we're gonna be talking about Crank one and two because uh you know they they are kind of one movie um I'm, I'm gonna argue that they're pretty distinct especially in terms of the tonal approaches approaches but we did want to since prank two picks up about 90 seconds not even 90 seconds it picks up about 20 seconds before prank one <laughs> ends yeah. um we wanted to kind of take them as a piece and see how they held up uh the answer is, um, there is no way that these two movies exist in the same universe. Um, they're, 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 one of them was way wackier than the other one. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about, I guess, everybody's first experience with, uh, with Crank and Crank 2. So let's start with you, JP. Okay, so, uh, I brought this to the table because maybe two or three years ago... Because I made you watch Drive Angry? <laughs> Perfect movie, well, also. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he knows. See? It, it felt, you know, thematically related, I'll say. Yeah. But, uh so maybe two or three years ago I sort of I had never really heard of these movies like I had seen the posters but didn't yeah. know what they were about didn't know much about them beyond Jason Statham but I sort of heard the There's concept there is nothing beyond Jason Statham fair enough yeah. <laughs> but I, I didn't even know that much about them Yeah, <laughs> that that was all there was to know yeah so I I sort of, I don't know if I read a review of the Blu-ray set of 1 and 2 or something, but I sort of heard the conceit. And similarly to Drive Angry, it was like, oh, well, why haven't I seen that yeah based on what that sounds like? So I saw, I, I think I, I pretty much bought the set of 1 and 2 just when it was on sale uh, based on the pitch and that it sounded fun. And I became sort of engrossed in both of them for a few weeks where I watched them a few times. I watched all the features and... I won't say that it was sort of before the YouTube era of sort of this super run and gun, like uh, making up things as you go along, uh, you know, low cost camera, being able to do whatever you want. But it was certainly early in that era where yeah. I, I was certainly taken aback with that method of filmmaking. Yeah. Now, the, the Canon 5D has been a boon to budget action <laughs> filmmaking for sure. Like you can go out with for twenty five hundred bucks you can get a hold of a Canon 5D and you can run around like a lunatic on rollerblades and get some real crazy shots. Strap it to the end of a stick without having an insurance company backing your entire production yeah. and stuff. It's it's very uh, Lars von Trier in its way. Like yeah. if you ever watch uh, the beginnings of uh, not Kaj thirteen is it called Kaj thirteen? Whatever there are no oh, Dogma ninety five. Sorry, mm. um, that was uh, I was thinking Kage Treze, which is an Argentinian band, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, Dogma ninety five like. That's how they got a bunch of their crazy shots, was they had these tiny little digital handycams, which were way shittier than, like, the prosumer-level Canon 5D Blackmagic kind of uh, cameras, and they would just shoot a movie with it and be like, fuck you, like, it's about the performances, it doesn't matter what it looks like, um, and, I mean, Dogma 95 got Lars von Trier a career, so, I mean, who am I to argue with it? Um, it did <laughs> I would mean, okay. say, I mean, the cameras they use in this movie, they make them look. Like, they were shot on a very expensive camera, to me at least. Eh, like, I think the movie eh. looks much more expensive than it actually is. Eh, Do you disagree with that? Like, yep. Yeah, As far, dude. As, as, far uh, as, like, an action movie goes, like, I think it looks fucking great for I, how much it costs so, to shoot. I think it looks good enough to, to be a theatrical <laughs> film. I think yes. they took advantage of the style. I don't disagree with you. I think they made it their visual style. Where, like, for people who know cameras, you can see that that is a cheaper end of camera they at the time. They made it their style out of necessity. It yourself. doesn't feel weird. I don't even think that it's, It's like, oh, you can tell that they docked this out of the budget. But I do think, like, people who know cameras will know that this was shot more on the cheaper it, end. It doesn't. But I feel, think they envelop it very nicely. It doesn't feel any cheaper than, like, uh, exploitation filmmakers in the 70s shooting on Super 16 Reversal with those, like, super crushed out blacks and stuff um and so that worked and this works in the same way this is just the new that like mm-hmm. this doesn't look as good as a 35 millimeter film shot christopher nolan movie does it does not um for, well, i'm not it, saying it like, looks like inception but i'm saying you yeah know. like the the big thing that hit me especially watching crank 2 is it's clear that they designed the whole movie to take place exterior your day which makes sense because god does your lighting for you <laughs> um but they also have this big boner for really fast shutter speeds so that they can get that cool like action movie look out of stuff. Um, and what that does is it makes it really hard to get a really good exposure. So in the scenes that are supposed to take place in the middle of the day, like the, the shadows are really striking on Chev's face and stuff. And I think that if they had had a little more time and could have set things up a little bit better, then they could, have, they could have made it look a lot better than they did. It doesn't look bad, but it could look a galaxy better. I feel like the way it looks really goes with the movie though mm-hmm. you know okay. it's just i yeah. would also so, if the movie was super crisp it wouldn't have the same feel you know like you know you're kind of right I, I i didn't think of it that way but you are right that like if it did look all like 35 millimeter you know super boner um you know uh, roger deacon shot this shit then it probably would not be as striking like it's definitely got a visceral look to it both films do um they're they're in your face and you know that's evidenced by the little reel we just watched on the (laughs) prank 2 blu-ray of all the fuck-ups that are left in the movie where you can see like the generator or a whole my favorite a whole other scene being shot in the background in one scene um that's that's really really cool um so your first so that was your first experience with it uh yeah Um, so getting the blu-ray just sight unseen based on like i need to see this yeah so sort of i I jumped into the deep end and watched them a bunch and watched all the special features and the commentaries and i kind of haven't thought about it all that much since then so that's sort of why it came up as a suggestion (laughs) until i mnemonically triggered you with drag angry um in our last episode um, yeah, I, I uh, actually had not seen Crank 2 before we decided to do these for the podcast. So I watched Crank 2 twice in the last five days. Mm-hmm. Um, Crank 1, I saw over here, um, we're at JP's house right now and the main thing I remember about Crank One is there was a girl over here who kept complaining about Crank One's inaccurate depiction of Los Angeles's geography Um, and me not knowing her well enough to tell her to shut her stupid goddamn mouth Um, it was pretty upsetting because that is so deeply not the fucking point of this movie Um, I don't give a shit that it doesn't take that long to get to West Hollywood we all know how long it takes to get to West Hollywood shut your stupid fucking face Um, if if we're gonna accept there's a weird Chinese poison that turns your body into speed like the movie um then okay um yeah so that was that was me and i you know i thought about it as like oh that's a cool low budget just pretty disposable little actioner that was fun i'm glad i watched it but i didn't you know really feel the need to revisit it too too much or anything um you know it, honestly crank did not live up to the hype for me mm-hmm. um it just felt good and i was like okay that that was fine but like you know, it might be that it was overhyped and I was like, this movie's so fucking crazy, it's so guerrilla style and nuts. <laughs> and it might be that I wasn't paying attention to production-wise the ways in which it was guerrilla style and just sort of looking for the things that are depicted on the screen. But it didn't feel uh, crazy enough for me to like think of it as really, really, really crazy. And yet um, you didn't like two as much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's like I, you know, when I think like, oh, that's some crazy shit to put in an action movie. I think of like the Raid Redemption, right. And this was not the Raid Redemption. Well, have you seen Shoot 'Em Up? I have not, but oh, okay. I've heard very good things. It- well, I just, I feel like that would be a good, a good barometer to tell more, like, do you mind the execution of this movie, or is it more trying to do something you're not that interested and in? And I don't dislike it. I think huh? it's fine. Yeah. Um, I just I just disagree with Garrett here, um, which is why he's on the podcast, because it's fun when a point has a counterpoint. Well, it, just, <laughs> it looked like Garrett, maybe you've seen Shoot em Up, but I, I think it's sort of a, a good... They have a similar aesthetic yeah, of sort of sure. Looney Tunes violence. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, Looney Tunes is the best way to put shoot em up. It is a Looney Tunes cartoon. Right down to from what I've heard, Clive Owen munching on a carrot. Punches yes. a carrot through a guy's head. Jesus. Literally really? punches a carrot through a man's head. In the opening sequence, In if the, I recall. Yeah, opening scene. Wow. Um, that's nuts. Um, yeah, so what's your first experience with this? And make sure you, you keep it under right. the mic. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, my first exposure to Statham, I, I'm sure I saw, you know, Locks. We're soccer. starting with Statham again. I general. gotta start with Statham. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it all goes back to a little movie called The Transporter. Mm hmm. Uh, when I saw the trailer for that thing, he gets a rocket shot at him. He picks up a dinner tray, knocks that shit away, does not explode. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this guy's awesome. Uh-huh. So I'm waiting, How for, could you not? I'm waiting for more from this guy. Why, where's that transporter guy? Crank comes out. Uh, that weekend, the opening day of Crank, I saw three movies in theaters on that opening day. Two of those movies were Crank. (laughs) A friend of mine and I went to go see movies, she picked a movie, I picked a movie. She chose Accepted. The Justin Long College movie. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Okay? The college called Shit. So we, yes, (laughs) yes. We watched that first. How is that? Shit. Alright. Uh, then we walked back out, bought a ticket, went into Crank. Yeah. The second Crank was over... We looked at each other, without saying words, got walked out of the theater, back to the box office, and bought another ticket to watch Crank again immediately. You recranked. I sat through that movie twice in a row, having just watched a Justin Long movie as well. That's how much I liked Crank. Wow. Wow, like, so with the Justin Long movie and Crank Twice, this must have eaten like four, four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had the time. Uh, it's just, when you're watching action movies, there's I just want them to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want an action movie that goes, and they never go. Like, I love the transporter, but he stops for snacks, he's talking to girls... And this, they're like, you know what? We can make the plot go forward while he's doing shit. Yeah. He can be in action sequences. Uh, you could say that like it's kind of the difference between one... It's all a cell phone call from Dwight yoakam away. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's very little time wasted talking to girls in exactly. these movies. <laughs> and when he's with girls... Girls are barely allowed to talk. <laughs> exactly. yeah, he's either having sex with them or shooting at them. It's kind of like Bond in that yeah. way. <laughs> It is exactly like Bond. <laughs> yeah. this, this movie is better than James Bond. Any of them. I'll put it up against them. Better than Skyfall? Yeah. All right. <laughs> and I, the, Mike Patton's music? Better than Adele. <laughs> wow. All right. Fair enough. So, so given that, your, your anticipation for Crank 2 must have been at a fever pitch. I had never been more excited for a movie. Because after Crank, all I wanted was, this movie, he is Superman. Nothing hurts him. I mean, Crank 2, he doesn't even dodge bullets. He walks towards them. They never touch him. That's what I want out of Statham. I want Statham fucking shit up. I want him hitting people. I don't want him talking. I don't want want him talking. It can be funny, you know, but keep it going. Keep it going. I don't need ten minutes of exposition. Get it going. Crank 2, I was fist pumping. I was punching the air. Have you ever gone into a theater and not only gotten exactly what you wanted, but so much more? <laughs> like, nothing has ever met my expectations like Crank 2. I know that you love John Wick, and now I'm just sad that I didn't see it in theaters with you. <laughs> I watched the air so much in John Wick. The exposition of that? You're crying, you're feeling something, and then he kills fucking everybody. <laughs> Back to Crank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so usually... This is the point in the podcast where we sort of go through the movie and and, and sort of do a loose synopsis with analysis as we go. Um, Garrett, it's clear that you know this movie better than either of us, and we just watched both of them like an hour and a half ago, so would you mind taking us through Crank and then Crank 2 quickly? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, Well, first off, the trailer sets it up perfect. My name is Chev Chelios. And today is the day I die. So he's dead at the end of this movie. Yeah. You know, this is a movie leading up to when Jason Statham is going to die. Yeah, fine with that because of the journey that gets us there. <laughs> uh, it's a fast burn. <laughs> <laughs> it is a movie about uh, basically a botched hit job that ends up with him getting some Chinese shit put in him, and he's going to die and what should be a matter of, what, an hour? So, yes. so, so not to skip ahead, but you can clear something up for me that I didn't get even on my second watching of Crank 1. Why does... Uh, why do they want Ricky Verona... It's Ricky Verona, right? Mm-hmm. Why does Ricky Verona want Chev dead? Because I thought, for the whole movie, it was because he didn't shoot Don Kim, the guy he was hired to kill. But then at the end, when Don Kim shows up, everybody's super surprised. They're like, you were supposed to be dead. So, what the fuck? Um, why, why do they want to kill Chev (laughs) Chelios? Wait, was, uh, didn't they work together at some point? I mean, there are other gangs and... Well, yeah, no, the whole idea is that, uh, Ricky Verona hired Chev Chelios to kill this triad gang lord named Don Kim. And then Chev went in to kill Don Kim and had a change of heart. And he was like, I don't want to be a hired killer anymore. Just be gone for 48 hours. And the assumption throughout the movie is that's why Ricky Verona wants to kill him is because he didn't go through on this hit. But then at the end, when Don Kim shows up to uh, to rescue uh, Chev... In the hotel shootout. Yeah, at the top of the Standard Hotel. Um, they, uh, then Ricky's all surprised that Don Kim's still alive. So if Ricky didn't think that Don Kim was alive, then why is he mad at Chev Chelios? Here's where you're fucking up. All right. <laughs> You're getting lost in details. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think why the bad guy wants to kill a, the good guy is a, uh, not, not really not, re, not really a detail. It's, You're a wrestling fan, just like I am. That's fair. It doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> After like the second MacGuffin, he kills his brother, and now they're pissed at each other. And there were probably reasons earlier. Okay, all right, yeah, we can I, move on. Um, I wish I had more, I wish I had just watched it with you guys so that I could yeah. be fresh on this, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I don't recall, like, whether we just, we sort of were chatting during a line of dialogue we missed, or whether yeah. it is just sort of you assume there's a dude who hates... I mean, part statement. of my vibe I got from Ricky Verona was just, he's like, Chef Chelios has a stupid face. Right. <laughs> Wasn't part of it, too, like, he's getting out of the thing? Does he need to be taken out? uh like, yeah so he definitely not, he definitely wants to not be a hired killer anymore yeah um yeah so anyway whatever ricky verona's reasons may be um <laughs> he uh the jason statham in first person for the entire beginning of the movie finds a dvd that says fuck you on it <laughs> puts it in and it plays a video um from ricky verona saying what you just said basically yeah, where he, you know, uh, what he has like an hour to live. Yeah, is, hour, I don't remember yeah. the exact time. It's or, an hour. Yeah, but then at that moment, he smashes a television and starts running, and then he never stops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the next hour and twenty minutes. For that. the next two movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so from there, what I mean, you mean get. Through yeah, this plot. let's let's go through uh, it. Let, let's see. We run into Dwight Yoakam next. He's calling <laughs> Dwight Yoakam. We're seeing uh, yeah, country superstar Dwight Yoakam. He's trying to get a hold of Dr. Miles. Yes. Yeah. And what is Doc <laughs> Miles doing when he gets a hold of him? Uh, when when well, when he gets a hold of Doc Miles, I believe Doc Miles is is getting a a a massage from a couple of Thai prostitutes. Um, as is his way. And he's not in Los Angeles. He needs to fly back yes. to town. Yes. He's on his way back to town. And uh, so, yeah, he's, like, making calls from, like, the plane and stuff uh, on the way in. And he's he's Chev's only hope at this point um, until he's no longer his only hope. Um, so, yeah, the first thing he does is I think he... He starts trying to track down where Ricky Verona is logically because he's like he's going to tell me how to get this Chinese shit out of my blood um, and he ends up going to uh, no the first thing he does is he goes to that biker bar full of black guys yes and he goes into that bathroom and does a bunch of coke off the floor yes yeah um, and then he fights all those people I'm about to he decides that a race ass. war yeah who wants white meat I believe is his uh, is his because uh, uh, it, it it's explained to him that as long as he keeps his adrenal glands flowing and keeps his heart rate up yeah. <laughs> Um, then he's not going to die from this Chinese shit that's in his uh, in his veins because he's basically the bus from Speed. I'm going to say the same thing. It is, yeah. it is Speed, but with Jason Statham as the bus. Yeah, and his flashback is stomping down on the gas pedal. Yeah, like that was the first realization of I can keep my own heart going. Yeah, sheer will. goes into his body. We see his heart pumping. He is good to go. Yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat <laughs> mentality <laughs> style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so he's like, well, I'm going to have to just pick a fight with a bunch of people. Um, because that's that's going to keep me going and in doing so he causes so much chaos the building actually pulses (laughs) I was just (laughs) going to mention that yes (laughs) of uh, the first sense of exactly how wacky these movies are going to (laughs) be yeah it's really impressive that they managed to be this cartoonish for this little money um, yeah. I mean granted they're like running around and you know running, and gunning all their shots and everything but they do stuff like that they do stuff like we repeatedly get the trope of zooming in via x-ray to Cheb's heart as it pumps and then at one point we just do that with a pigeon too <laughs> 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 the pigeon there's nothing remarkable about the pigeon it's just a shot of a pigeon it's like here's the pigeon's heart fuck you uh, but didn't he feel remarkable yeah no he, <laughs> did. he, did. he did he felt fucking amazing um, yeah, well, so, and like when he's talking with Doc Miles and sprinting, you see the projection on the walls behind him sometimes. Yeah, like that, they definitely that play like, around with perceptions and yeah, yes. yeah, this this movie is 150 percent from Chev's point of view. Like more than any other movie I've seen, this movie is subjectively tied to how he feels. The goal of this film is to make you feel go, the goal of both films is to make you feel the way Chev feels. Um, I think that the first film succeeds at that more than the second one mm-hmm. um, but yeah at, at this point he uh, he flees from the scene of the bar fight and uh, drives towards a mall where we get uh you know, it's a pretty good in-the-mall car chase with some cops. But <laughs> I've seen Blues Brothers. I was, but this, like, it is not glorifying it at all. He's still on the phone. You're just seeing the chaos through the window. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He is breaking through kiosks and just yeah. destroying... Yeah. Until he sideways ramps his car onto an escalator, and then we get a really awkwardly green screen shot of him running up the car as the uh, <laughs> as the car just slowly ascends the escalator. Um, and then he's in the mall, and uh, I, I'm, 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 what's he doing at that point? He's, um, he's still running. Well, yeah, he's running yeah. from police. Like he hops out. I remember he runs outside, gets in a cab. Yes, and this is where uh, achy breaky heart. Yeah, I wrote yes. down <laughs> <laughs> achy breaky heart. I was yeah. going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very classy transition. I know there's a there's an assault on a convenience store, so yes. that I would so he can get all so he, he throws a bunch of energy drinks into a uh, into a uh, trash bag. But I guess I should say uh, we just mentioned aching, breaky heart. What the what he's actually doing is getting himself really pumped up. So he's yelling at the cab driver to turn up the radio, yeah. and he's like really just headbanging and punching the seat, popping his forehead in the yes. back of the seat yes. in front of him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, to ache breaky heart. Um, it's, it's a pretty masterful scene. Um, it's, it's real, real good. Um, presumably yeah. they were sponsored by some energy drinks that he could raid the store for and from pile them all plastic From the looks, of, the, from the looks bags. of Red Bull. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which totally makes sense. Like, that's what I'd do. Oh, it, um, <laughs> even though the Coke off the floor didn't work, like, fuck it, you know, It's we'll hard see. to get sponsor money from Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Big Coke wouldn't Big- <laughs> chill out. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking crony capitalists <laughs> um uh, yeah so then he i believe he takes the cab or he he takes the cab to um the oh yeah he takes the cab up to uh that uh the other cartel guy um who dies at the end <laughs> where name he dives down in the pool yeah to he, he jumps to in come the come up. pool <laughs> yeah he dives, okay. he dives down in the pool and then he tells the guy to come up to the top and they have a little exposition fest do you recall the? Oh, the, I the remember. Gist yeah, that? he's swimming, yeah. and then as he's swimming, Chev jumps in the pool in his clothes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, points it for him to go up. There's naked ladies all around the pool. Yeah, this, these movies are not short on the incidental naked ladies, <laughs> which I'm all for. Um, that's that's fantastic. Entourage, the chase. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so, what's their conversation when they're there? Uh, isn't he basically just saying, like, I'm dead. I'm a dead man. <laughs> I think it's MacGuffin A to B to C of yeah. who told you, who, do- who wants me dead, who this and that, and basically is led from person to person. Yes. yeah. So running his, and doing, things <laughs> yes in some way. <laughs> And so his next stop is shot at Ricky Verona's brother, who's hanging out at—I don't think a strip club, just a bar. It looked like a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's a Chinese restaurant. Because <laughs> he goes Somewhere in with a, cleavers in the back. Yes, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. he removes his hand along with uh, Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, Efren Ramirez. <laughs> yes, yes. Who I didn't realize was Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite until I was watching uh, Crank One for the second time. Oh, shit. Yeah. There was a proclamation as <laughs> yeah. we were watching it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, holy shit. It's Pedro um, Yeah and he's good He, uh, he, he plays this uh, Sort of gay club kid He's basically Party monster um, <laughs> But involved in Some like Mobbed up shit um, Which is real fun And uh, he ends up In a back alley With this one handed uh, Fucking Mexican cartel dude and he's about to kill. Uh... He's one-handed because of Chev. Yes, uh... he's very briefly one-handed before of which death. He yes. tries to punch Chev with the nub. <laughs> Chev moves, punches Brick. Oh with a oh. nub that it just become a nub oh. <laughs> they do a good job illustrating that that would be painful which I can only assume yeah. have you guys seen Hobo with a Shotgun I have I yeah, have not uh, dude you should watch Hobo with a Shotgun there's a scene where a girl gets her hand blown off with a shotgun uh-huh. and it leaves instead of just a clean nub it's like a jagged ass nub with like some spiky bone sticking <laughs> out and she stabs a guy to death with her own stump wow um gonna yeah. be rewarding yeah yeah, yeah No, she, I mean she makes it look like it is um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's fucking gnarly. It's really goddamn gnarly. Um, not quite... I mean, it's way less rewarding to just punch brick with your nose. Uh, <laughs> I do re- if I recall, just a very loud thud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a couple hours ago. I can verify that. Yeah. Um, uh, at this point, Pedro shoots this the guy in the uh, he shoots him in the back no the the guy he chops his hand off the gun is still in his hand that's right (laughs) chev picks up the dude's gun hand yeah (laughs) pulling the trigger with the guy's own finger yes he does Um, and then kills the guy and steals his medallion calls ricky verona and is like by the way i just killed your brother um because i got nothing to live for um (laughs) except the the icy the icy pleasure of vengeance um, oh, uh, Ricky is getting a BJ at this point. Oh, that's right. Um, during while, the phone call. While feeding raw meat to dogs. <laughs> yes! Yeah! Hold on, wait. Um, there's that, like... That, okay. Dear listener, this scene is introduced with, I think, the movie's first use of split screen. Um, when in, in the first of a few different... Well, I guess the second Guy Ritchie homage, the first being the casting of Jason Statham... Um, <laughs> And, yeah, it starts with just some, like, real, like, tight inserts of a hand feeding raw meat to some dogs, and then there's, like, a chick's head, like, down at some pants, and uh, then we get this wide shot, and it's clear that it's Ricky Verona, and he's getting a blowjob, and he's just feeding raw steak to a dog at the same time. And, like, what compels a man to combine <laughs> these tasks? Like, why would you do both of those at the same time? Opportunity? <laughs> when have you had the chance? I'm going to take a wild guess and say <laughs> Neville and Teller wrote as well as directed these. Oh, yeah, they wrote this movie in a weekend. Right. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like like the great uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It was also written in a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Ferris Bueller was written in a weekend? It was a break from planes, trains, and automobiles. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow, That's He's, nuts. He took a pause to write a hit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I just like knowing that pretty much anything we see on screen is created wholly by them. Yeah. yeah. They are the masterminds. From it, inception to execution. Yes. It definitely has a sense of voice. I would stop short of use of, use of the words masterminds. Um, but it, the uh, Masterminds who brought you Gamer. Oh, God, they did make Gamer, didn't they? they shot, I haven't seen they, it. Um, yes. Gamer was one of the first to be shot on the red. Really? It was. And um, they didn't love it because it's too hard to hold the red on roller skates. Really? <laughs> no joke. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no problems. Um, so yeah, talk about the roller skate thing for a second. Uh, a lot of the movie, they do, Neville Dean Taylor do a lot of the shooting themselves. Uh, mostly, I mean, a lot of the craziest stuff Neville Dean is doing. He is on rollerblades. He is in the middle of the action. There are so many shots in this movie where a car is getting what looks like you know, just inches from the camera, mm. which is a car getting this close to one of the main directors <laughs> on a pair of rollerblades holding a camera. Doing a Marty McFly got, kind of oh, arrangement. Yeah, these, I mean, these guys got their start at doing, you know, extreme sports videos. Oh. So when they wanted to do this movie, they wanted to figure out what can we shoot like that? So they wrote this movie knowing we want something that's moving that we can shoot like, you mm. know, like we're shooting an X Games video or something. Gotcha, Gotcha, just, that makes sense, that makes sense. Well, it is it is definitely awesome. Um, so yeah, he calls Ricky. Ricky's getting a blowjob, um, and he basically tells Ricky, "I killed your brother. Fuck you!" Ha ha ha! And then I think at that point he gets the call from his girlfriend Amy Smart, um, and he needs to go meet up with her and basically comes clean to her about. Who he's is. not a video game programmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, did they? Do we just skip the hospital? The hospital is somewhere in. Here. Oh yeah, I think he does the hospital first actually. <laughs> okay, you know. yeah, you, you tell us about the hospital. Uh, so on the phone with Dwight Yoakam, he's informed that he needs to get one-fifth of an epinephrine shot to keep alive. <laughs> How <laughs> and, uh, much does he get, JP? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not great on long-term memory, apparently. <laughs> so after a uh, sort of... Well, he's got a lot going on. I get it. Yeah, that's true. He runs a little mini siege on a hospital, which culminates with harassing a dentist from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Until... yeah. There's more than one cameo in this hospital. Really? Really? When he gets the hazel uh, spray, it's got epinephrine. I oh, mean, that's the guy from Lincoln Park, isn't it? Chester Bennington oh. <laughs> from Lincoln. Prime. I fucking knew it. Is he in the second one at the racetrack too? He's in both of them. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> ah, oh. vindication. <laughs> ah, that was bugging me. which they do spell out epinephrine for us, so that we know the spelling. Well, Dwight Yoakam can barely say it, so (laughs) it's probably for the best. I think he does see, like, epinephrine or something? (laughs) Epinephrine? (laughs) Well, I think he says a different word at first, and mispronounces it. Epinephrine Ramirez? (laughs) Uh, So he, he, you know, essentially sieges this hospital, gets the syringe, without thinking, in an elevator after a shootout, just injects the entire thing into himself... And they do one of the more fun effects of the film yeah. of speeding up the countdown of the elevator floors as it plunges toward the bottom, yeah. and Chev just comes sprinting out, leading to a, a montage of him running across. I Los do Angeles. love his conversation with Dwight Yoakum afterwards, where he's running and <laughs> Dwight's saying like, check. "You you did the whole thing." He's just like, "Oh yeah, you probably you feel uh, you feel burning in your chest, check. But you're cold everywhere else, check. You probably got a heart on that, uh, that just won't stop." Check. <laughs> um, yeah, you couldn't piss to save your life right now, Chef. Uh, check, check. Copy that. Yeah. And he's just so, everything is just so clipped. And just, oh, it's, it, it is, performance-wise, a really good moment of comedy from, uh, from Jason Statham. I, I, I really appreciated that while sprinting around in a hospital gown with his ass flapping. As as yeah. as so then he... With the a heart, heart on, on him. And he yeah. Ass exposed, yeah. So yeah, at that point he steals a... Because uh, a lot of this movie is just him doing stuff that's risky to keep his adrenaline going. So he steals You're a watching gun... watching Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> You're watching a theatrical... But, hey! Yeah, actually, that's why when people are like, ah, oh, that'd be cool if they made that movie. I'm like they already made it twice. <laughs> It'd probably be a more fun plot than Grand Theft Auto a lot of times. Yeah, just... yeah. Oh, absolutely! All that Byzantine, like you got to go over here and go bowling. with God, your he's got to drive across town, talk to his girlfriend, <laughs> realize yeah. you were looking at the wrong dot on the map, drive back to the other side of the map. <laughs> That's the ammo store? How does that mean ammo store? <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Um, yeah, so he uh, he steals the uh, the cop's motorcycle after he steals his gun, and then stands up on the motorcycle because he realizes that just driving a stolen motorcycle isn't really isn't doing it for him anymore. This is kind of the story of a guy just trying to get his fix. Uh, this whole movie, and he's like, oh, this I need something harder. And then he stands up and closes his eyes on the motorcycle. In the Christ pose. Yeah. <laughs> Arms extended. Yes. And uh, then he just flies into a sidewalk cafe in, in what appears to be West Hollywood. Uh, it's in Westwood. Oh, okay. <laughs> I lived in Westwood at the time. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, just face plants into some tables. And uh, once unscathed. again, somehow, is unscathed. Yeah. Over and over, he takes amazing hits and just gets up. Like fucking wildly Goddamn Coyote. Or um, John Cena. Or John Cena, yes. Just no sell in this movie's offense. Um, uh, uh. well, Come on, two. make it look like it hurts. Crank Two does get into a little bit of the like he's a mythic figure, almost like you know seeing Ash in a book or something yeah, like that. The famous cello. <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah, we'll get. Yeah, we'll get there. Spoilers. Uh, yeah. So, um, so at this point, does he call his girlfriend? Uh, my next note is waffle iron hand. So I'm thinking, okay. Yes. <laughs> so he calls his girlfriend, goes over to her apartment. He needs a he needs a quick fix. So he uh, puts his hand <laughs> in a waffle iron. Yeah. Burns his hand real good. D- seems like he just it doesn't impair his use of the hand. <laughs> Breaks the waffle iron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's He's how powerful he is. <laughs> yeah. He hurts heat. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, so, she, so then she, he takes her out to lunch at some China, pl- a Chinese place in Chinatown and uh, explains to her that what he is and why he uh, thinks that they're on his trail, which we'll just accept, even though it doesn't fucking work with the third act of the actual film, that <laughs> they're on his trail because he wouldn't kill Don Kim, and now they want to kill him. Um, and she's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe any of this. And then he uh, decides he needs to fuck her in a crowd to get his <laughs> adrenaline going. And, um, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about how apparently no means yes in this scene? <laughs> like, I. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. Like, she's like, no, I don't want to fuck you, Chev, in this crowd. And then she just kind of goes for it after a little bit. It wouldn't be as awkward if she didn't say, like, no, no, while hitting him and trying to get how away. Many, how many yeah. times have you said to a lady, if I don't fuck you, I'll die? <laughs> three. I've said it three times. Benefron <laughs> yeah. ran out. Yeah. It just kind of... Yeah, that... That, I, I mean, I feel like the running theme of watching these movies lately, especially with me and my side of the table, is like, well, that's problematic, man. <laughs> but like, and I don't mean to be a, such a fucking downer, because I want to just go with it. But like, no, man, you can't, you can't do that. You, can, you can't have a girl say no to sex and then have her get into it after the guy forces himself on her. What? Are <laughs> you saying no to Neville Dean Taylor, or are you saying no to Cheb Chellio? Like, I'm saying no, no to Neville Dean and Taylor. Like you see where he was coming from. Oh no, absolutely! <laughs> like he was gonna die, absolutely! Like I, I, if if the if not to put be too controversial, can we see if, what hole you dig here? <laughs> yeah, but if my decisions were uh, try to convince a girl in somewhat uh, in somewhat emphatic terms to have sex with me or die immediately, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do it. Uh-huh. I don't want to die. See, sorry, it, <laughs> I it was necessary to write this part of the movie because you know. They're asking the tough questions. <laughs> and we're, we're giving them the answers. This is a game of would you rather. They're <laughs> trying right. to start the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Marilyn Manson used to say to justify all of his music. Well, it's just a commentary. You know? I'm just asking questions. That's the overlap between Marilyn Manson and Glenn Beck, actually. I'm just, I'm just asking questions about Benghazi. Um, the first one also seems slightly questionable until we see Biling in the second one. Good like, God! Oh. Biling is pretty much a minstrel show. The first the one was one. progressive. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to Byline. Ooh, that that was yeah, like why does she do that to herself? All right, so um, they fuck in front of a uh, bus full of Japanese schoolgirls and it's it's pretty fucking hot, I'm not going to lie. And it uh, looks like he can't get it up. He can't get it up. He, until cannot he get looks it up, up at him. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he can't really get it up until he looks up at the bus full of Japanese schoolgirls and then Chev gets hard. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, no, that, I get it. Uh, I get it. I don't like when people are it's watching. not that it, I like, didn't get I did it. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this is, we're talking about crank. Like, I get it. Uh, <laughs> I Like, believe- once I couldn't get it up with a picture of Bill Murray looking at me from a side, like a side dresser. And that's the normal routine and it wasn't good. Then cutting. I looked out the window at a bus full of schoolgirls <laughs> going by. and Of age. <laughs> it's a <this> college bus. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, so what, what happens after that? I believe during the call, or uh, when he's banging, he, he gets a, a, phone a call, call from Kalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is like a forced call from, from like Ramirez. Gets, We're not going to use his name. <laughs> He's the same guy in both movies. He just gets Tourette's in the interim. Don't Fair enough. enough. <laughs> do you know he has a twin brother in real life? Yeah, because yeah. in the second one they have those shots of them, the twins. And <laughs> Which are like... shots from the first one that they recycled and then were able to do that. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> yeah. All right. well, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the production history of Crank 2 because it seems like you know more about it than uh, anyone. <laughs> uh, uh, um, so that's going to be a good time. Um, yeah, so he gets the call, and what's the call about? And, from what I recall, it's sort of, you know, uh, a generic movie, like, it seemed like he was under duress, you have to get over here right away. Yeah, and it def- he's saying, like, oh, I found, uh, I found Ricky, mm-hmm. and, uh, just come on over, and Chev's like, I'll be there in ten minutes, and, like, it's pretty clear from, from Kalo's delivery that, like, he's been captured, basically. Right, right. And then they get there, and he's totally been captured, and he's been, uh, asphyxiated while hanging from a chair, been turned into a prop in the interim. <laughs> yes, yes, gets he uses a meat shield. <laughs> yes, he does. Well, the thing about meat is it's real absorbent. Um, <laughs> it comes to bullet impacts. Um, well, isn't all of this happened? Did you guys watch Veronica Mars? I did. Isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's. What's it? It's. Uh, it's. It's. What's his name from Veronica Weevil. Mars? Weevil? Yeah, it's Weevil. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, and all that acne from season three is cleared up. Real nice. <laughs> oh yeah, it looks yeah. real good. Real happy about yeah. that. Well, also in the interim between the call and arriving there is when he gets in the the cab. Uh, where he takes the Haitian shit? Oh, yeah. And takes God, I, the, I forgot about the yeah, Haitian shit. The Haitian shit. It's made from plant shit. It's good shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, fun story. I was working on a commercial with that guy. The Haitian shit the, guy? The Haitian shit guy. <laughs> uh, he's in X-Men First Class. Yeah, he's he Darwin. The, yeah, he's Darwin. Gets the ball oh. put in his mouth. Explodes. Uh after the shoot, I didn't want to say. I anything. thought it was him, but I didn't want to be racist and call it well, out. It's so him. Uh, thanks. <laughs> it's him. Uh, very last day of the shoot, we they wrapped. I walked over to him and said, "Hey, I just got to say thank you to you." And he said, "For what?" And I said, "Given the Haitian shit that Chev Chelios, because Crank Two is my favorite movie, and without you, wouldn't happen." <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He didn't remember that role. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> awkward, bro. Well, yeah. you know. It's on him. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so we take some Haitian shit, and that just leads to some sort of inconsequential hallucinating for a second. Yeah, um, is that just like a pacing issue? I mean, yeah, you know, you really could just cut the Haitian shit out of this movie entirely, and it would have been just the same. Like, Well, the problem is you can't have a movie under an hour and 20 minutes or people get mad. Um, <laughs> you also don't get to market it as a feature. Or also, maybe those complaints about, you can't get from point A to point B in this time. It's like, well, how do we get him there quick? Put him on the Haitian ship. Skip a whole bunch of town. <laughs> that was a trip cut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they could have just monos the hands of faded that shit and just had him driving and driving and driving and driving and driving. But instead, they did this. It's fair. So he gets there, and... Um, He's finds himself in a standoff, and Weevil informs her that none of this is personal, and it's all just business, which, you know, is certainly comforting when you're about to get killed. And um, then Amy Smart shows up, um, as she is wont to do in the most inconvenient of times, Just be, and she's, I think she says, like, I had to see if you were telling the truth. And, um, Turns out he was. Yeah. <laughs> Wacky ass shootout ensues. Uh Chev shoves a uh, guy's hand in a sewing machine. Like a like an industrial sewing machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's, sure run-of-the-mill singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real fun. It conti- Oh no, uh, it, it continues to be just this. Like th- it's all like it's definitely shot well. It's shot very if, if nothing else, it kind of calls to mind, at the, in, in Crank 1 at least, it kind of calls to mind, like, a, a black exploitation movie. Like, it's pretty damn handheld. Um, there's a lot of exteriors, um, mm. because, you know, like I mentioned before, God does your lighting with those, <laughs> um, so it makes sense. And, I don't know, like, stylistically, inter- other than just, like, ha- coming up with wacky ideas, like, let's shove a guy's hand in a sewing machine, like the content or the style of this movie seems to be dictated by production limitations to a pretty large degree. And they do get to do those extreme things like you were talking about, which are fucking amazing because Neville Dean has big brass brass balls. But other than that, like they are kind of... It's my only real complaint about this is like they don't, like stylistically in, in terms of the cinematography, is like they don't seem to have any ideas beyond... These extreme moments. Like, they don't seem to know how to shoot normal shit so it's interesting. They're just why Ghost Rider 2 wasn't my favorite movie they've made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's a movie that you can tell they're bored when the camera's sitting still. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I want it to always be moving. Like, yeah. there I can tell, like, I don't know. For, for me, watching these, I can tell when they're having fun and I'm having fun watching them. Yeah, and I'm definitely having fun when they're having fun, too. Um, I just, like wish they could learn to make it interesting when they're not explicitly having fun like i wish they could shoot a dialogue scene so that it didn't look fucking you know boring um, cuz they did i'm sorry like the dialogue scenes are boring and they so don't and like dialogue have, scenes don't have to be are so you speaking like, about like them in the diner is that them in the din- uh, of? them in the chinese restaurant uh the way, like, and even just like the non-crazy ass action scenes, like at the beginning of this, when Chev's on the roof and he sneaks up on that guy, mm-hmm. like the content's cool. Like it's interesting to listening to listen to this hired killer have a really pedestrian conversation, and then Chev sneaks up on him. But like, they don't really do anything with it other than just like keep the camera over Chev's shoulder as he goes over to the guy, and then you know you just kind of coverage the thing and it's over. Like really, that's that's the best idea you had. Well, like okay, I don't know. Uh-huh. when it comes, to I mean action- it's not bad. It's just kind of like it's so. um boring compared to like everything else it's so boring compared to the big moments they have i don't i think though like i watch a lot of action movies i love action movies but a lot of them they're just they slow down with that dialogue like i understand like there's so few of those boring scenes in the crank movies though like where if you go back and watch (laughs) the expendables that movie is an hour and a half of dude's talking (laughs) (laughs) and then like the 30 minutes of action at the end is the treat we get (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. Like, yeah. this movie to me is like, you get a treat, my friend. Yeah. We have to put this part in here, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess what I'm saying is those dialogue parts don't have to be boring. Okay. Like, they, can, they, could, they could be good instead if you just shoot them good. Um, and it bothers me that for, as idea-rich as Neville Dean and Taylor are, they don't shoot them good. Um, I kind of wish they would. Anyway, it's, it's a minor complaint because that's, those are such a small part of this movie. Like, these guys obviously know their strengths, and they lean into them, um and that's to their credit um so yeah, he finds dead Kalo they they get out of this uh this uh shitty situation and then uh we're off to the next little macguffin hunt i believe um they basically make their way I believe there may be a blowjob chase in between yeah but they make their way to the job. doctor <laughs> yeah she yeah Amy smart gives him roadhead um mm-hmm. while they're driving away from the cops and like a. A pinto or something? In a pinto, like, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. A pinto. I think I sent like a bean. Yeah. Of the but car, she won't but... finish him, but she won't she won't let him come because she knows that if he does, he's gonna fall asleep. Um so so she edges him. And, uh, fair play. Yeah. Um which I totally get her logic. Which is a rare moment of female empowerment in these movies. Um, Maybe the only one. Yeah. I don't know. Get when you get to two. There I a... I can't wait for you to explain that in um, Alright, so at that point, he gets over to the doc, and the doc explains, like, okay, I can give you this stuff. Uh, I can give you some drugs to kind of take the edge off, but like, y- there is no antidote. You it's are like, dead. I'm not better. Yeah. You're not better. You're, you're, you're dead. Um, and he says, just give me an hour. And he gets hooked up with an insulin pump pumping epinephrine into him. And he goes off to the final confrontation. Take us through the final confrontation, Gary. Uh, let's see. We go to a hotel. The we, standard hotel. The downtown. Stand, we go to the standard. Yeah. Uh, when we get in that, we have a very awkward It's a bougie-ass hotel, everybody. Don't go. Uh, what uh, is that? When, once he goes into the bathroom, there's uh, turtles having sex on the wall. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Yeah, in the lobby there's like two chicks slow-mo tar fighting. Uh, he has an awkward conversation with an Asian man in an elevator who is terrified of him. He has seen it Starts off talking to his mom. Yes. Speaking in the voices of all the characters. Yes. Yeah. Uh, eventually the Asian man has subtitled and you see that Chev sees the subtitles <laughs> because it reverses and you, yeah and you see him looking at them reading them. Yeah. Uh. Which is pretty fucking choice. That's incredible. That is actually that's when I talk about Neville and Taylor doing things right. That's the shit they do right. Like that is Fucking brilliant and amazing. Um, like putting him answering a call from Kalo earlier in the movie and Kalo showing up in the rearview mirror of the car as he's driving it. That's, ooh, I love that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's just le- learn to do normal shit good too. Um, I guess sort of talking about the fun ideas. I, I'm pretty sure it was the first movie and we didn't mention it was the uh, before Amy Smart realizes and like henchmen are coming and he has to like sprint his way around to the front is- gate to dispatch them and the sprint back. I thought that was that was pretty well executed. Yeah. <laughs> He's killed like three people in the time that she's going to grab her purse or like looking like picking her shit up. Oh off yeah, because she grabs she she drops all of her shit and they run down that fire escape and everything. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so they're on the standard uh, roof. There are ladies in bubbles. <laughs> there are ladies in bubbles which suffocating. Yes. <laughs> Because we know a little something about film production. I can tell you, those ladies were not let out of those bubbles that often. Oh, no. Yeah. It was definitely summertime. Yeah. Uh, it was on a rooftop in Hollywood, mm-hmm. where it was in most, downtown. most certainly 100 degrees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, lots of chrome buildings reflecting everything. Oh, good everywhere. God. I'd probably <laughs> at least 120 in that bubble. Yeah, no, they cooked some women. Yeah. <laughs> No, they saw your family, those chicks. It was really awful. Uh, now you're making me feel bad about these movies. <laughs> maybe they, they aren't as good as I think they are. <laughs> I don't no, believe you think that for a second. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so standoff happens, and uh, they pull out a syringe and claim that it's the antidote, right? Yes, yes. And then uh, well, we got Don Kim yeah. shows back up with well, like huh? a really cool Asian guy. There's like one guy that's doing like the best duck face while he's shooting an Uzi. Like that guy should have got top billing in this movie for me. (laughs) when they do the fun like uh you know point your finger like a gun oh good kind of effect yeah Yeah. that's always fun that's that's a good time and then you turn and it turns out that like don Kim and his eight dudes were 15 (laughs) feet behind chef this whole time and no one noticed somehow whatever you try Um, not staring at jason statham when he's right there he's magnetic it's true um and then a gun battle ensues um and jason statham's uh tripping his nuts off and he uh he chases uh, Ricky Verona and uh, the other cartel guy to a helicopter. Ricky shoots the other car- cartel guy and pulls him out of the helicopter. Was it the other? The- was it the other guy who henchman jumps on the grenade? His yes. Boss jumps thanks. on top of the henchman. Thanks, boss. Thanks, boss, and explodes. <laughs> yes. Jumps about eight feet in the air on top of the guy. Yep. Yeah. It was pretty fucking awesome. Um, that was awesome. And, uh, yeah, then they, then they're in this helicopter and it's basically just like Ricky Verona and Chev Chelios trying to strangle each other. And I swear to God, because the green screen work at other points in this movie is so shitty that I am positive they were really in a helicopter <laughs> They <were>. there. Yeah. <laughs> they were. They were strapped to the side of a helicopter. Yeah. And <laughs> Chev Chelios is just hanging out a helicopter over downtown LA and it's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. And at that point, like news choppers have shown up because like the media has been tracking this like rampaging lunatic running around LA this whole time. And uh, finally, uh, Chev says "fuck it" and just pulls them both out of the helicopter. <laughs> but doesn't let the ground kill the other guy. <laughs> Still kills him in midair, breaks his neck, yeah. and lets him float upward into the. Into because space. you know, when you're dead, you lose 21 grams. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, that's not how gravity works, but whatever. Um, or how death works. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, and then he uh he falls to the ground, makes a phone call to uh to Amy Smart. Leaves a really touching voice. It's really them. beautiful, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um then hits a car, bounces about twenty feet, and just <laughs> lands, and the last thing we hear is blink. Yes. Yeah. Blink. Um and credits. And that's crank one. Um yeah. Fun bit of low-budget exploitation filmmaking, pretty wacky for a movie, but not out—not so far outside of the realm of action movie wackiness. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, like it's definitely it lives in a heightened reality, obviously. Yeah. But uh, no, I would say like it's—it's it's certainly reserved compared to shoot 'em up or something like that. Yeah. Like it doesn't like just action for example, Crank Two, sure. Um, <laughs> oh, oh yes, Crank Two. Yeah, <laughs> high voltage. So tell us about the production history of Crank 2 High Voltage. They didn't want to make it. Okay. They were, they were asked to do Crank 2. They okay. said no. They actually turned it down. Uh, then they said, well, we are poor. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, you know what? We'll write you this movie. We'll write, yeah. you, we'll write the movie. We'll get the money from that. We're not going to direct this, though. As they started writing it, they said, there is no way... Anyone could ever make this but us. <laughs> Half that movie was written as a joke because they knew they were going to have to change shit. Yeah. They're like, there's no way the studio would ever let us do this. The entire ending was a joke. <laughs> really? They, they wrote that and they're like, this is just a placeholder. So they tell us we have to change it and we can figure out the next thing. Yeah. No one read the script. <laughs> Oh, that movie just got a lot better. <laughs> the guy that you saw uh in the, the fuck ups area of the the Blu-ray, like there was like this is a fun movie and the fuck ups really add to the movie. Yeah. Well, that was the only guy that read the script. Everyone else that was funding <laughs> this had nothing. They just like, yeah, it's a cheap action movie, go make it. Like, and <laughs> they then they're like, fuck yeah. Cause now at this point the movie it's just a fuck. It's a set of stairs where each scene has to top the next in wackiness, <laughs> and you're just so excited. Like the movie, only one scene didn't make. Oh, only one scene didn't make it into the movie. The movie is the same script to screen, other than one scene. That they What's the scene? There was a scene involving a train, and they didn't have the budget for a train, <laughs> so they used porn stars instead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that scene is. <laughs> They're supposed to. They said, "If only." They had that train. They believe it would be the greatest film ever made. <laughs> they said it would be better than Star Wars. So Jenna Hayes costs less than a train. Oh, also, Good to know. There, yeah, there is, oh, so I'll There's a joke I want to from. make really bad right now. i was trying not uh, <laughs> tell uh, He just lobbed your softball. I know people who know Jenna Hayes. She's apparently a very nice lady. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I thought you said you want to do that. Like, the train? <laughs> Refried fried reviews. <laughs> yeah, welcome, everybody. Um, yeah, so uh, so tell us about Crank 2, man. Continue this journey, because oh, good I feel Lord. like as, as, as fun as it was to hear you recount Crank 1, this is the one you're really qualified for. Oh my for. god, I Crank 2. Like, I have seen this movie <laughs> so many times. I own the bus stop poster. My roommate in college contacted Neville Dean and Taylor, said, can I buy one of those bus stop posters off of you? Will you sign it to him? I have a poster. The size of my wall that says, to Garrett C, our brother and crank, keep it juiced. Wow. Navel and Taylor. (laughs) The tagline of the first one. (laughs) Well, what I get what was the tagline, but the the opening of the trailer did say, you know, my name's Jeff Chelios, today's the day I die. Mm -hmm. The actual line on the poster for Crank 2 is, he was dead, but he got better. yeah so how does it start man well we start off does it actually start with the newscast first or does it pick up exactly no it starts like, oh, it starts yeah okay so it picks up i think it's, it's the video game version of him falling yeah, okay. transitioning yep. into footage transitions into uh, that shot of the the the, the, the blink yeah Immediately, a van pulls up. A guy gets out of that van, scoops his face off the ground with a snow shovel, throws him in the van, drives away. <laughs> Crank two, high voltage. Yeah. Uh, and from there, are we in. I, God, I don't remember. We're in news. a Chinese massage parlor, okay, I'm and just it's being operated I'm just trying on. to think of where the news anchor comes in to let you know that. Hugh from Star Trek: The Next Generation shows up like, in a news desk, and he says, "Yeah." He basically says. Uh, The first movie, how does he describe it? Implausible? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, Reports of another man falling over Boyle Heights are being treated as the bullshit they surely are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's having a lot of fun. Uh, this movie, they're having so much fun with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then let's see for that. We're in the hospital, we see that they have Chev out on a table. They want to harvest his organs. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty impressive because I couldn't remember, like, why would they bother keeping him alive with an artificial heart because yeah. he's so. die hard with a vengeance. <laughs> yeah, they do say that he's die hard with a vengeance. <laughs> so they're uh, going through, they want uh, they want the famous Chelios heart. They're very excited when they see this, and when they say. The famous Chelios heart, Chev actually wakes up during this surgery, chest open, and kind of gives a smirk. <laughs> like I am that fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, also, while they're doing this, the greatest henchman of any film ever, Donny. Uh, whatever. Donny Yang. Does he have? A, does the character have a name? With the piercings and the cigarette flick. Piercing cigarette flick. Yeah, it's Donny Yang. <laughs> I think it's Donny Yang. Um, something he like that. He actually ashes. Onto <laughs> Chebcheliov's heart, while it is open and his chest beating, gets yelled at. He apologizes, has a horrible laugh that gets right under your skin. An effective <laughs> heel work. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, they end up putting an artificial heart into his chest. This big plastic motherfucker is now yeah. inside of him. Uh, Chev is sitting there. He now sees, as they're going through, like, what organs are they going to take from me next? They're going to take his spleen. They're going to take some other stuff. And get his me. dick! They're going to take his dick. And that is what wakes <laughs> Mr. Chelios up. Not the thermometer that these nurses stuck up his asshole. <laughs> Very violently. <laughs> Very, violently. <Yes. laughs> Very violently. Just... Just wrote, none caring. They didn't even lube the fucker up. They were just like, "That's where that goes." All right, so, okay. So keep they didn't mind. even leave it long enough to get a reading. It was just <laughs> recreational. <laughs> I've done it. Uh, so first two people Chev kills in this movie. Doctors that are gonna take his penis. <laughs> One of which he grabs by the dick. Yep. The other he kills with his IV cord. No, he uh, no, yeah, the, no, the, he he wraps the IV cord around the second guy and then goes back to the first guy with a syringe and injects air into his aorta. <laughs> yep, that'll do it too. Yeah, <laughs> that's how he kills that guy. So then we're out on a roof. Uh, well, we're walking around. We go outside. Well, he we he now has a plastic box on his stomach on his chest yeah. that he doesn't understand. <laughs> uh, we go outside. Kills a guy real quick. Yeah. Real good. Shoves a shotgun up another guy's ass. (laughs) And that is the moment I knew this was a trauma movie. Um, Because even more, the first one, like I said, was a pretty stylized, low-budget action movie. This one is a straight-up trauma film. Like, (laughs) as soon as he's shoving stuff up a guy's ass and, like, wiggling it around, I'm like, okay, I I see what we're doing. And that assumption is 150% borne out by the film. And how much of a trauma film is it? Lloyd Kaufman is in this movie. He's in it. He's in it. When's he <laughs> in it? He has a cameo after Godzilla fight. Which, if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening <laughs> to me talking, there is a Godzilla fight at some point. Yeah, <laughs> there is a Godzilla. He's fight. one of the construction workers on the inside that he's just like beating the shit out of him, and like he's just beating his head. The, in the one book. of the two guys are <laughs> like, we should probably call nine one one. Yep. One of those guys is Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> yep. I didn't. None. Neither one of them look remotely like Lloyd Kaufman. It is absolutely Lloyd Kaufman. He has a. They. I believe he was one of their mentors at but, some point yep. and cuz he also has a cameo in gamer. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um I mean, it makes sense if these guys came from the trauma school. Um <laughs> yep, Neville Dean Taylor and James Gunn. They're uh, and Pam from the office. Uh, oh, yeah. trauma's turning out good good folks. Um <laughs> yeah, so then he he takes that guy's car. Um, well, but before he takes the car, he still has as he's walking towards the man before he lubes a shotgun with oil before shoving it up his ass. Cuz he's considerate, cuz he's uh-huh. considerate. He whistles his own theme song. <laughs> he, does, he does do that. I love that. that. Yeah. That's, that's, just, that's just a beautiful little <laughs> His theme song is playing. He's whistling it as he's walking there. Uh, he steals this car... And, you know, shoot out as he's driving through a tunnel. But when he gets out of there, the best K-pop you've ever heard <laughs> yeah. is the theme song to this shootout driving awesome scene. Yeah. And then he, he pulls up next to some, uh, some Mexican gangster-looking dudes who want to race him. And then he's just engaged in sort of a good-natured conversation, runs smack into a piling, <laughs> flies 30 feet out the front of the car, just gets up. Um, Wiley e. Coyote style, unscathed. Um, Remember how I said I wanted a movie where he's Superman? <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm starting to get that. Where Not only did this not hurt him, it inconvenienced him in a way that made him mad. Does <laughs> like the balletic slide across the street? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Looks down. He's, at this point, he has broken the uh, box that is keeping him alive. Yeah, because <laughs> he's called Dwight Yoakam, um, who's back. And Dwight Yoakam has explained to him that he has who an artificial is, heart that is being powered by an external battery pack. But if that runs out, there's an internal battery pack that can be recharged by an electric charge across his skin. Um, also, Dwight is uh, rubbing an ice cube across chocolate's ass is, yeah. as he takes this phone call. Oh, yeah. and did you notice this? When he answers the phone, he thinks Chev is dead at this yeah. point. When he goes, who is this? He's like, it's Chev. Chev. He says, it's, like, it's Chelios or How does he say it? He goes, Dwight Yoakam the shouts. Yeah. Jesus hates Chelios. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Everybody thinks he's dead. He's been he's been presumably under for like three months at this point in that massage parlor because um, it takes him three months to take his organs out. Yeah. Wh- whatever. Um, <laughs> got to find buyers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 of which <Sure, laughs> they'd Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how that's how by this point we've we've set up the central premise of the film, which is. He's going to have to get electrocuted over and, and over, over and over in order to keep himself going. While well, going between a series of strip clubs. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> there is some nudity in this film. Kind of a lot. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It ranges um, from animals to... Uh, there's a horse stick. Yeah. There's, a, oh, there's ferret balls. There is. I'm not convinced that, that was those ferret, that ferret's real balls, by the way. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Prosthetic, real—I'll take it. What I—I'll take what I get. You know, I—I I only get fair balls once every ten years in a movie. I don't. know. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. So where—so where are we at? Uh, let's see. Uh, he is flown through the windshield. The Mexican guys back up in their car and ask him, "You okay?" <laughs> He's angry. He asks if they can jump his car. They look back at the car. He now is hooking a jumper cable to his nipple and his tongue. Yeah. Yeah we juice them up real good yeah and then we're running and uh the 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 movie is uh really leaning into that whole fast shutter speed uh let's (laughs) let's get some like fakey shitty cheapy ass matrix rigs going (laughs) which Um, the movie was shot on 900 hundred dollar cameras from best buy yeah because they could destroy these things over and over again they could rig up you know 15 cameras in one scene have half of them break and they're still okay on budget. Yeah. 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 No, it, I mean it's it's certainly a way to make a movie and a way to make a movie that I applaud. Um, it sounds awesome uh, I mean I would love to strap cameras to cars and crash the cars and just sort of fish through the records for the uh, for the SD card I would love to meet got. anyone but the assistant editor or whoever, whoever has oh, to Jesus, compile God. all that shit one like, of my favorite days on set ever was we were uh, flying a little drone copter over some stuff and it ran out of battery about 60 feet in the air <laughs> and um, just plummeted to the earth and then like continued to spin like a wounded animal um, just on the ground until someone had to go over the 9mm and put it I down <laughs> Um, it was foaming at the mouth Yeah like leg was broken Well you can't just It can't go on like that So it's just It'd be cruel to not do that You know yeah. um, So then we got the SD card And um, I got to watch The footage of the crash And it really was Fucking awesome If you can afford it Crash a drone guys It's fucking ill Like It looks real cool um, I mean yeah. It was just Black Friday I know half of you guys Bought drones Yeah You bought a couple They were cheap Crash that shit, send us the footage. Absolutely, yeah. Facebook.com slash refried reviews. Um, <laughs> those insane people who climb up on skysca- skyscrapers being built and stuff. Mm-hmm. I want, like, the drone flying right above them, that terrifying angle. And then the drone loses power and plummets down. <laughs> uh, so you finish yeah. the video that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the move. That'd be the move, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this, this is, like... It's something worth talking about in the history of making movies because it's so antithetical to how movies have ever been made before. The idea that a camera is disposable is fucking nutso in terms of how we usually approach making a movie. Um, And this movie is built entirely around that philosophy. We were talking while we were watching it about like the shooting ratio and how much of this movie was probably pieced together in post and stuff and like... It's, you know, I, I've talked about how I tend to approach making movies a lot on this podcast and how, you know, my, my cuts tend to hew pretty closely to my script and my shot design tends to hew pretty closely to my script. I tend to be pretty economical because that's the only way I know how to do it is to envision something in my head based on the location I have and the actors I have and the script I have and then, and then sort of uh, design those shots, go get those shots, and then put them together the way I listed them in the first place. Um, so the idea of going out and shooting just a bajillion different things and then finding opportunities, like, maybe this is just, you know, the point at which Neville Dean and Taylor are better, better filmmakers than me, but, like, that just sounds like a whole fucking lot of work. Um, like to go through all that footage of just yeah, exactly. Well, cause, I mean, just saw, a mountain of shit. You saw, God, you were, the That's mind. the only reason I do it my way is like I know I need all the stuff I have. Like and with this, I mean, I just gotta can, figure out what the good take is. <laughs> it's fine. I know how to put it together. I wrote it down. Like, <laughs> and I mean, you can tell there is not. I've just really... engineered a whole system around my own laziness. That's all this is. <laughs> um, well, it looks like their style of filmmaking is hard for the crew. Yeah. Uh, You know, since they are in nearly every shot of this film. Yes. The crew shows up a lot, guys. Um, yeah. Which you will never notice the first time. I did not notice at all. Yeah. I I didn't for a second see it. But even in this scene where Chev's running down the street to the strip club, like, we noticed in the fuck-ups reel later, but, like, the camera rig that's around him shows up in shots over and over and over. Um, didn't notice it the first time. Um... You know, because it's it's the Robert Rodriguez rule. Like, it's going so fast that, like, if they notice, you probably already lost him anyway. So, who cares? Um, So, yeah. He's running. Uh, He's going to the Cypress Social Club. That's where he's going. The (laughs) Cypress Social Club. Which I would contend, everybody... I don't think that's an actual social club. Chef mm-hmm. doesn't believe so either. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fucking social club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What it is is a, is a whorehouse with Bai Ling inside. Yeah. Basically being the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> like, but like way more ethnically insensitive. Um, so wow. What happens- tell us, tell me how you feel about Bai Ling in this movie. Bai Ling is magic. She mm-hmm. uh, does honestly, she might be female Nicholas Cage. she made some choices in this film and uh, she wasn't intended to be subtitled really a lot of the things she was saying I guess I'm wrong not everything was script to screen mostly bilingual dialogue (laughs) (laughs) that's why they started giving I mean she's definitely speaking English like even when she's subtitled I can pretty much understand her (laughs) but I think they want to clarify this is actually what she is saying (laughs) you're my shiny lunchbox (laughs) (laughs) you own me long time (laughs) You're my Kevin Costner, dude. Oh. <laughs> oh. But before, uh, Byling's gets thrown out of a door. This whole thing's happening. But we see Chev walk into this house. Yeah. Fucking chaos ensues. There are body parts flying out of windows. I <laughs> notice the head. Um, a little Asian Except man. definitely a, a, <laughs> a severed <separate laughs> head flying <laughs> out of a window. Yeah. Little Asian man runs around the corner wearing a rice paddy hat. Clearly has a bleeding asshole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, what's going on there? Throw him in the shot. I don't know. <laughs> uh
0: now Bai Ling is going to be killed by a man with a meat cleaver. Yeah. Uh but Chev comes out, what is he, knocks him down, and yeah. then she beats his dick with a bicycle. <laughs> yep. Until it's bloody. Until he has a bloodied crotch. <laughs> yeah. With a bicycle. Um, and then a couple dudes roll up. And no fucky asks, sucky for you, asshole. I <laughs> yeah. believe it's in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, a couple dudes roll up with uh, with uh, a car asking, uh, you know, what the fuck happened. And Chev threatens them. And they, they run off and Byling uh proclaims, that was my ride. And then basically conveys in her sad, broken English... Um, and I'm allowed to say that because bai Ling actually does speak good English. She's just she's the one putting on a fucking minstrel show in this movie. Right. Um <laughs> There might be a little racism in these movies. <laughs> and that's the thing, is it's her. She actually is Asian. <laughs> she's doing this. This was her choice. Yeah, like that is some fucking Uncle Tom shit right there, man. Ah. Oh. Job's oh, a job. Yes. <laughs> like, did that bug you guys? Am I the only one? <laughs> me and my liberal arts degree over here? I didn't quite know what to make of it. <laughs> frankly. I like... like to go see a movie where I'm seeing something I've never seen before. <laughs> and, uh, not that I haven't seen a menstrual show in a movie before, but to this degree where the actor has put it upon themselves yeah. to do it where it was a Because choice. from what you've told me, she was not asked to do this. It sounds like she just kind of went fucking nuts and no one stopped her. Like, Don't stop her. like, there's a shot in the movie where she's just like running down the street. And she, like, tries to get in a car and stuff. Like, that wasn't in the script. Like, like just, they never said cut. They're like, let's just see what she does. <laughs> Weirdly, that makes me feel better about it. Just because, you know, it, it sounds... It doesn't sound like she was put up to this. And that that makes this all feel a whole, whole lot better. Um, it sounds like she just... I mean, Biling's gonna Biling, you know what I mean? Um, so... <laughs> For a movie that ends with a head in a jar, you're really uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm 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 maybe going too far in this. She's you know I was always interested in what she was going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, this is certainly not a defense. But while there aren't a lot of you know useful or interesting women in the movie, most of the men are monsters or pimps or heads in jars or like they're. There aren't a lot of normal people on either Monsters side. Monsters or pimps, gay... <laughs> or heads in jars. Huh? <laughs> uh, a gay leather daddy, African American club. Is it like yeah. a freaky family as family? Or something? Yeah. Which, one, which is the black club from the first film. <laughs> it's the same characters. Hey, but yeah. now they're gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which wasn't important in the first one. That not only was it, it was a hate crime in multiple ways. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so he 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 runs off, and he's trying to get get rid of Bai Ling, and that's when he goes to the strip club and finds out that in between the first movie and this movie, Amy Smart has become a stripper. Um, uh-huh. I don't know what she did for a living in the first film, but she got way sluttier in between movies. Because in the <laughs> first movie, strippier. she was running around in kind of a sensible sundress. In this one, she, you see her in a uh, little bit of electrical tape over her nipples <laughs> and some short shorts, and then later she's wearing... I'm not even going to call it a dress. It's a shirt. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, she, she just kind of, uh, she riskated up um, in between the movies. And she's dancing to uh, The Stroke. Um, and I don't know if you noticed, but as soon as Chev goes up on stage to stop her from stripping, that's when I'm going to keep on loving you kicks in. Uh, like the DJ was waiting for this moment to, uh, to get that going. But um, while he's being reunited with his girlfriend, there's some gangsters in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Which I already said I like to see things I've never seen before. Did you see a piece of violence in that scene you hadn't seen before? It's true, I did. I had never seen the tip of a guy's elbow get cut off before. And, made me uncomfortable. Yeah, and does what that... does the character say? <laughs> well, that is new and interesting. <Yeah>. I guess we should mention this character is carrying around a lunchbox, and that's why we're chasing him. We it's, believe his heart is in. Yeah, this it's Danny Yang and uh, and the the guy with who in who ashed on uh, Chev's heart at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> He's carrying around a, a thermos uh, lunchbox that we believe has uh, Chev's uh, heart inside of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's fun. Um, and uh, then a shootout ensues. And uh, Chev leaves with, uh, with Amy Smart. And then there's cops everywhere. Um, and the cops start beating the fuck out of Chev with <laughs> nightsticks. While Amy Smart jumps on the back of the sole female cop who looks like the red-headed prison guard from Orange is the New Black. And um, they they are they're, they're beating him down and then one of them has the bright fucking idea <laughs> to oh, tase we'll ch- we'll Chewbacca. Chel- yeah. Which we get this beautiful fucking incredible Hulk moment. <laughs> yeah. Where he just blows out of like nine guys on top yeah. of him. <laughs> yeah. Because electricity is his is the opposite of his kryptonite. Um, it's his spinach yes. and he's Popeye. Um, and then he just beats the shit out of all of them. Steals a uh, cop car with another stripper in the back, who keeps trying to fuck Amy Smart, <laughs> who is the set designer. <laughs> what, really? Yeah, yeah she was uh, just she was somebody that worked in the production side. Huh. <laughs> yep. Now she's in the movie, like licking Amy Smart. And, uh... <laughs> just... Oh, also because of that scene, remember they shove Amy Smart against the glass? You see her tits on the glass. Yeah, it's. I awesome. feel bad saying tits, but the uh, the actual name of the making of is. Tits on the glass, the making of Crank 2 High Voltage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Amy Smart seems down to go for broke in this movie. Um, God bless her. She is, she is, she is going places. Um, yeah, like to a racetrack. <laughs> yeah, which... Uh, During this drive to our next location, Chev is uh, tasing his tongue. Yep. He's tasing his balls. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, oh, also, great fucking callback in this scene. Uh, this is where Amy Smart, you know, they're talking about, I thought you were dead. And he's like, I fell out of a helicopter. And she's says, oh, I saw on YouTube that a guy did that and he lived. He said, I know it's possible. I fucking did it. <laughs> but he says, didn't you get my message? Yes. yes, 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 yes. The message he left her while falling out of the helicopter. In a heartfelt moment in the first movie. <laughs> cuts to her answering machine. Just when noise. <laughs> was pretty brilliant (laughs) yeah no that's that's fantastic that might be the most inspired bit of this whole movie like that's that's real 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 good either that or the dennis cameo later um which is the most trauma-rific part of this whole movie yeah that's when that's when i was positive it was a trauma film um yeah so then we meet uh he ends up back on the street some cops are harassing him and then he uh he gets rescued by uh by the twin brother of Ephraim Ramirez in the first movie. Venus. Venus, who's basically the same character, but he's got full-body Tourette's. Which seems like he shouldn't be allowed to operate a motorcycle, but he does. Yeah. Oh, man. And that is... He's so fucking good in this movie. Like, I love the full-body Tourette's. Because there are moments where he is actually able to make me think he is a badass. (laughs) (laughs) and then speaking of actors going you know for it yeah yeah Yeah. like everybody had to go for it in this movie if no one like it was just kind of go big FBTS is not easy to fake (laughs) (laughs) hey it's a condition that affects dozens of people all around the world I'll have you know Uh, there's a website there's a Facebook group facebook.com slash refried reviews (laughs) um yeah so then he ends up at the racetrack uh where he uh has been told by the stripper that uh the set designer stripper that that's where donnie yang's probably <laughs> hanging out and um he i know where johnny vang goes <laughs> oh yeah it's johnny vang that's right it's vang not yang um oh yeah yeah so he's at the track and uh his heart starts giving out and that's when dwight yokum gives him just a brilliant bit of advice <laughs> um Friction, friction. <laughs> and if you've seen the first movie and you know that he and Amy Smart fucked in Chinatown, you pretty much know what's going to happen. Um, Callback. Yeah. So after uh, he tries to rub elbows, literally, with the singer from Linkin Park, and then he tries to dry hump an old lady, um, he uh, finds himself on the uh, track, on the on the horse track. They fall down onto it, <laughs> yeah, Rubbing on Amy Smart, yeah, and then they fuck. To the, to the tunes of uh, one of my favorite country songs ever, Heard It in a Love Song. Um, really great tunes, probably on Spotify. Check it out, everybody. Heard it in a love song. Oh, yeah, great song. Yeah, it's amazing. Great yeah. song, great montage. They do it in so many positions. They wheelbarrow it across yeah. the, the track. And it's just, it's like Anchorman-level ridiculousness of sex. Oh, like, yeah. uh, the if this was an Adam McKay movie, like, no one would have blinked at it. Like, it would have been fine. Um, the she she tosses her panties uh into an audience member's mouth, which means she must have gotten like 200 to 300 feet of distance on him, <laughs> It's crazy. Um, Donnie Yang, Donnie Vang sees them. I guess Chev's too far away for him to recognize him because he's just cheering along, or Donnie Vang's a fucking idiot, which he is. Um, so I buy it like he's a buffoon. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's fucking wacky. Uh, and there uh, are lots of f- cheering Asians at the racetrack just to replicate the Chinatown sequence. It was- Replicating it exactly to, in the first one, there is a gentleman in a red shirt who somehow found himself in nearly every single shot. And they wanted so badly to find that extra to bring him back, and they couldn't. So they just found a different Asian guy and put him in a red shirt. And he's in a lot of shots. <laughs> That's amazing. That is fantastic. The whole thing is, uh, in, ends to a chorus of boos when one of the tracks staff knocks Amy Smart off of Chev with a uh, fire hose. After seeing a beautiful CGI horse dick. (laughs) Was it CGI? I I mean, how do you get that shot otherwise? Well, you jump a horse over a camera. (laughs) I know they said there was an actual... That was something they had a meeting about where they they had to talk about how big the horse dick was allowed to be. (laughs) Those wow. high FPS cameras are loud. I don't know if you could get a horse to jump over one. <laughs> <laughs> it gets skittish. You have to bait it with some carrots or a cube of sugar. Maybe an apple. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So well, once wow. again, we abandon Amy Smart <laughs> mid-coitus. Yes. Um later she catches up with Randy, played by Corey Haim, um, who's just swinging for the fences just like everybody else. He exits the movie after Amy Smart just throws him at a car. Right. And that's the end of that for him. He's one of not- two actors that died almost immediately after filming. Who's the other one? The other is David Carradine. Oh um, right. yeah. Who, who plays, plays the- Lopan. Who- <laughs> um I'm sorry. Poon Dong. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's Lopan. He's a... His name is Poon Dong. Lopan. Um. <laughs> Look, they're both
1: offensive. I'm sure we can settle on one. <laughs> oh, God. Um,
0: yeah, so uh, where's he off to next after the racetrack? Let's see, after the racetrack... Wait. Well, we have to meet up with Poon Dong at some point during all of this. We skipped over the gay couple with the dog collar. Oh, one of which... Uh, Vital component. We got any movie. Tool fans in the house? No, I don't like that band very uh, much at all. Mr. Maynard James Keenan, the lead singer of Tool, one of the gay couple with the dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus, really? This uh, is a star studded sequel. If, oh, my God. If you are into that kind of music, you got Chester Bennington <laughs> from Linkin Park, you've got Maynard from Tool. People would be mad at me for comparing the two bands. <laughs> <laughs> Which we totally are. Oh, that's <laughs> also in the scene where the dog collar, he's take, he yells at the gay couple for uh, zapping their dog with the dog collar, takes it, put it on himself, makes the gay couple zap him with the dog collar. <laughs> he farts some. Uh, <laughs> but we have this brilliant montage of him running away, and it skips nine seconds. Oh, yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It skips nine seconds. It says, nine seconds later. It's my kind of title card. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then he uh, where where does where he where's he off to after that? Let's see. What do you what do you got? I uh, let's see. I have Don pick uh, Don Kim picks up Chelios, and that's when he jams his finger into the cigarette lighter yeah. <laughs> while being delivered exposition. Oh yeah, that's after the track. Um, Don Kim picks him up, who yeah. he rescued in the last movie, and uh, basically they they just sort of uh, that's when he finds out that his heart is inside of Pundong. Mm -hmm. um which is not where you want your heart to be and uh, definitely not david Carey. he does he does kick efren ramirez out of the car because he seems to have caught the gay condition (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and uh then there's a shootout inside there which jeff jellios is once again inexplicably the sole survivor of um chicken or uh chicken chicken and broccoli yeah chicken and broccoli um uh did you grow up around la Garrett? I did not I'm I'm, I'm a Midwest boy. Uh, well John didn't either but uh, Fish Halman was the anchor when Hal Fishman was you know early Los Angeles for my childhood anchor. Yeah <laughs> only know that because of the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. Pretty goddamn fantastic. I think at this point we cut back to uh, there have been Mexican cartel guys um, chasing after Chev and they failed to apprehend him on more than one occasion. And so they have to go report back to their boss, the ferret. Um, Clifton who entered, Jr. Clifton goddamn Fuck Collins yeah. Jr. Who's <laughs> loving it. And he makes uh, one of his henchmen cut off both his nipples. <laughs> On camera, no less. Yeah, like, you watch, he makes you watch him cut off a nipple... And then he says the other one, and oh, then he is. makes you cut off the watch, you cut off the second nipple, and it's it's rough. I don't think I've watched that scene without looking away. It is beautifully gory. <laughs> yeah, like you see that last piece of skin attached to him before <laughs> the nipple just completely is removed from the body. And the rest of the movie, he's wearing cute little band aids, <laughs> <laughs> much like Amy Smart. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this movie is about equality after all. Clifton Collins Jr., uh, they found out that he knew how to tap dance. That wasn't in the script. (laughs) He made the mistake... That's why he's like, pinche (laughs) Chalios. He made the mistake of leaking that information during lunch. So that's why there's a tap dance scene. (laughs) Wow. These two seem to be kitchen sink kind of directors. (laughs) You got something to offer? (laughs) Sure, we'll film it. Whatever. Who cares? Uh, that's, That's wacky and bizarre and weird. Um... Yeah, so at this point he call he calls Dwight Yoakam and he says like we've got to track down Pundong, and that's when uh, that's when Dwight Yoakam says, "Hey, Chocolate, would you mind getting off your fat ass and putting some clothes on?" And she <laughs> says, "What for?" And he says, "Is uh, is uh, Doc am, uh, Miles gonna have to choke a bridge?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does say that, and uh, yeah, next thing you know, uh, Chocolate's walking the streets looking for Pundong. <laughs> And, uh, Who is listening to uh, a real upbeat version of Honky, Honky Tonk Badonk? Uh, <laughs> not even the original recording, from what I could hear. I think it's a cover of oh, Honky it's a tonk, cover of Honky Tonk Badonk. Much ba-dunk, like ba-dunk. the Achy Breaky Heart uh, song from the first was a cover. I believe yeah. the same band. Yeah, publishing ah. rights, not uh, not recording rights, makes sense. <laughs> um, you know those songs; they're rarely written by the artists themselves. They're pretty easy to get the rights for. Leung mm-hmm. does say the line also during this scene. I bet you $20 you'll blow me for 30 <laughs> 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 Sorry to interrupt. But that, like, that, was, that was right on my tongue and it wanted to come out. <laughs> wow. Oh this is amazing David Carradine unrecognizable yeah I didn't know it was him until the credits um, now now that it's been pointed out to me I can see it yes but uh, yeah it could have you could have just told me it was the guy who played Lopan and I would have believed it because <laughs> um, I'm racist I'm about as racist as Biling <laughs> um, yeah um, so there, uh, so, so where, What? where, where's Chev off to after this? Uh, well, here, let's see. I have, Bai Ling is hit by a car. I don't remember quite what that connects yeah, to. Yeah, I think, I think Chev got out of that limo with Don Kim and then saw Bai Ling and she runs towards him cause she just happens to be there and gets nailed by a <laughs> fucking car. He's chasing Johnny Vang and he's like being kind of, he's spying on him trying to, to get him. And then she sees him and goes, Oh, Chim oh, yes! <laughs> yeah. Across the street. And while well in the middle of the street, struck by a vehicle. Very hard. Yeah. <laughs> Biling Ling, also Superman. Yes. They have to use the footage more than once. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did. <laughs> Flashback. Because later <laughs> Venus for... finds her. And she just gets up, dusts herself off. And he's like, Oh, what are we doing now? And I think that's after Venus has called the uh, gay club. Yeah. Um, with his calling card. And that great, fast dialing the Mexican calling card scene. Oh my God. Just beautiful. Such a good joke. Yeah, it was real good. Calls them and like, it, it and finds out that, you know, his, uh, his leather daddy buddies, they're all brothers and they're going to look out for each other. And, um, then he pretty, in pretty short order rides off into the sunset with them to exact his vengeance against the ferret or however he says it in Spanish. I forget. El oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, we get Chev's childhood talk show interview. Oh One no, before that bits. though. Before that we get the fucking giant monster fight. Oh, it was before that? Okay. Yeah, because he chases Johnny Fang <laughs> into that fucking uh oh, oh, yes, into it's... that power station. <laughs> and then there's a giant monster fight. Like <laughs> straight up Godzilla fight. Yeah. Uh, rubber suits. Which, thank God. Oh, thank God. I when that when uh they were making this movie, that was the only thing that leaked from set. We knew what the plot was, but then we just see this picture of a Godzilla fight and it's like what the fuck is this movie going to be? <laughs> yeah. I did love the, the Jason Statham face. <laughs> like, Oh my yeah. god. I, How, I it, just it, feel like some actors... It looks like that dude from The Rocketeer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I do absolutely. know what you mean?
0: <laughs> uh, oh, And during this fight uh, let's see... Oh, well when you come back from the Godzilla fight this is him fighting Johnny Vang. Yeah, you see that he is just crushing his head, like he is just <laughs> yeah. beating a man to a pulp. Well, I yeah. love that the giant rubber suit also had the big thermos, uh, like lunchbox, yes, like too. <laughs> of which, okay, we have the lunchbox now. Yeah, we've got his heart. We think. Uh huh. Until we open it. So what's in there, man? We don't know. <laughs> That's a, what do you think's in there? Uh. I think it's somehow he's managed to carry around a, uh, like, severed vagina. Like, he just scooped some female reproductive organs up and has them on ice in case he just wants to fuck them whenever he wants. I mean, I'm just thinking about, like, the worst thing that could be in there. Sure. You have to keep in mind, it. Sh- he says, this shocks me to my fucking core. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would shock me to my fucking core. (laughs) Yeah, Like, if a guy had just, like, ice cream scooped some female genitals out and then, like, had them around, yeah, that would be horrible. That's some Patrick Bateman shit right there. Yes, yes it is. Why does he uh, do the Godzilla fight? Why does he do the Godzilla fight? So they get nailed against the high-power generator power plant, thing. You know? Yeah, and he gets electrocuted. which Real is, hard. Yeah, which supercharges him. Um, it's John Hughes rules, so magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but he, he wins that fucking fight. And uh, humiliates Johnny Vang and just leaves him there just a bloody mess. With his lunch pail. Yeah, and then he gets knocked out by cartel dudes who car- cart him off to... Uh, Exotic Catalina Island. Couldn't be Mexico. (laughs) Dragging him behind a boat while pissing on him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then he gets brought before the ferret, who reveals a shocking twist to us, right? Okay, and this twist makes this movie amazing. But this same twist... made the X-Files movie shitty. <laughs> Explain that. Did the X-Files movie have a head and jar? The sequel did. The, ex- the second one did? The second movie, the entire build-up. You're like, what's gonna happen? Oh, head in a jar? Was not impressed. <laughs> Wait, hold the fuck on. It's an underwhelming. X-Files x X-Files 2 mm-hmm. has a head in a jar. Correct. Huh. Alright, go on. Yeah, uh, no, that's why you don't remember the movie because I, just, I never saw it. No, yeah. oh, I saw that. Oh, well, let's do, do an episode on that <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll watch that again and complain that they showed me a winter movie in the summer. <laughs> um, I mean, Lethal Weapon's a winter movie. You don't see anybody bitching about that. Was that released to me in summer? I think Lethal Weapon was a summer film, yeah. I think uh, Die Hard was July. Was Die Hard with July, it's a Christmas movie. Well, this whole movie, they're trekking around in the snow with Billy Conley, and then like, it's all just like, oh, there's a head.
1: <laughs> but in this scene, okay, we find out
0: El Haron is mad at him because he killed his two brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, the two guys from the first movie. Oh, shit. He cut his hand off, he threw his other brother out of a helicopter. <laughs> and why is he doing this? Because he wants to avenge his brother. In front of his brother, who is just a head in a fish tank. Why? Which is what I was saying that they wrote as a joke. (laughs) No one told him no, so they shot it. And that's the best part of this movie. It's amazing. Um, He's, like, on a little plastic stand um, with some hoses going into him. God only knows what they're doing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he's just saying, like, the whole movie, you hear, fuck you, Chelios, <laughs> yeah. over and over. Oh, yeah, because after he's knocked out, we get that dream sequence. Yes. Where, uh, where, with, where Ginger Spices is his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's pretty much the main remarkable thing about that, Ginger Spices' his mom for a second. And that's pretty cool. That's the only part of the movie that made my girlfriend go, oh, wait, I think I like this. <laughs> yeah. And also, just what an unsequitur. Oh, it's pretty weird. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess that didn't need to be there. You could have him wake up being dragged behind a boat, but you know what? You also can't get ginger spice in the movie that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, it's true. Um... (laughs) So just uh, so he starts smacking uh, Chev, uh, the ferret starts smacking Chev with a cat of nine tails. Just <laughs> as uh, the leather daddies and I guess a bunch of the porn stars they picked up along the way show up. <laughs> we skip the porn stars altogether in this talk. <laughs> yeah. and, and by Ling, who and, murders a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> Her only contribution: she just shoots a gardener, holding two guns in a position that say, "I'm going to kill everybody, but who I'm aiming for?" Yeah. You don't aim with... You have to have the gun pointing where your eyes are going in that one. <laughs> Just a lack of control, like, fundamentally, on Biling's part. Really, some bad work. Bad just work. Just a, a lot of naked ladies getting shot, gardeners getting shot, uh, henchmen getting shot, gay <laughs> yeah. men from really two... Ga- wait, was there... Wait, was Venus with another gang? No, of... Venus was with the Leather Daddies. Oh, okay, he's with the Leather yeah, Daddies. Yeah. And then yeah. we have, yeah, the strippers who are coming back from the There's the Leather room. Daddies, there's the strippers who assume, and we assume, because they've had no previous connection to the events at this point in the movie, <laughs> that they're just friends with the Leather Daddies. Well, they were part of the shootout. Oh, the, so it's like the, the, strip the strip club, club shootout man, has followed them? Of which you see um, a guy shoot a stripper in the breasts. I did Oh, that. yeah. And you see the silicone leak out, gradually making her breasts non-existent. Oh, the classy yeah. shot. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed that on the rewatch, but I remember it the first time. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the the fight ensues. Everything's getting crazy. Uh, Venus runs out of uh, runs out of ammo, and then ends up in a fight with the ferret, and uh, it's not going well for him. But what's Chev doing at the same time? He oh, this is where this is the his final act, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you go right ahead. Uh, is it? In his sort of mirage distance, with musical swell, we see. The uh, titular high voltage sign <laughs> that is attached to uh, you know just sort of a a power pole. What yeah, it's power lines. It's power lines. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we get his sort of slow motion hero build as he ascends. You know the uh, the little steel rivets climbing up to the top to recharge. Yeah. And um it's actually we skipped at some point uh Dr. Miles and Chocolate Steal Back His Heart from David Carradine. Oh yeah, they do they lure sort of David Carradine back and then uh <laughs> then, then Dr. Miles looks at uh uh Poondong and says Confucius say karma's a bitch. Um <laughs> as he holds up a g- bright green syringe of like the reagent for reanimator. Was, yes, right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. I only awkwardly interject that because this is so close to the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um so he's at the top of the telephone pole. <laughs> and uh yeah, he, he, he just grabs on because it's all he knows how to do. And there's a statham explosion. <laughs> a state explosion. <laughs> and uh then then he's on fire. Um and imbued with murder powers. <laughs> um Yeah. Yeah, He's filled with that fire rage. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys, like, you know, you know how it is when you're on fire and you you just kind of. I've played with the jam. Yeah. (laughs) Keep in mind, at this point in the film, during my first theatrical experience with this, of which I saw four times opening weekend, uh, I am. Punching the air like crazy. (laughs) Where I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted and more. Ricky Verona here! Yeah. yeah, um, He disconnected the Ricky Verona hoses from his neck. Yeah. Punted punted him into the pool. (laughs) Punts him into a pool. And then comes back and just kind of punches the ferret a couple times and throws him in the same pool, which, honestly, I feel is a bit anticlimactic for the ferret. I would have liked it if he had, like, poked out his eyes with his thumbs or something. Um, Could have done with that. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of an anticlimax for the ferret. Meantime, Statham, still on fire, um, turns and, in a weird fugue-state fantasy, sees Amy Smart, where there is only Biling. uh, Glowing, radiant. Yeah. (laughs) hugs her and then lets go and probably in my favorite shot of the whole movie we just see Biling running off in the side of uh, in the corner of the frame on fire now Um, yeah and then uh, consumed by flame Jason Statham turns back to the camera and flips us off as the credits roll end of movie I cheered out loud in the theater I think I gave an audible yeah and then started clapping as I heard people walking by saying that was a piece of shit. <laughs> so what do you think you understood that they didn't? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh-huh. They're, what is wrong with their lives that they couldn't get the enjoyment I had out of that? Yeah. Just, just that nonsense. Just pure fun nonsense. <laughs> haven't been desensitized enough? Uh, yeah, they they haven't seen Toxic Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> <They haven't. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the crank movies. Second one, significantly more wacky. We skipped over an entire Dennis, uh, cameo, um, where he gets killed by a ricochet during a therapy session trying to recover from the events of the first movie where his, uh, therapist is telling him to go get his dick wet. Which is Lauren Holly, by the way, from Dumb and Dumber. Was it really? Wow. That did not look like Lauren Holly. Wow. Um, all right. And, uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, it's wackier. It's way more traumarific. Like like I said, the first one feels like it exists in kind of a stylized action universe. This is a goddamn cartoon. Um, and yeah, I actually have finished this podcast feeling better about it than I did. Um, well, I guess throwing out sort of final thoughts of what we forgot to bring up. I mean, yeah. it's I'm almost positive it's the second movie. I remember there's a specific shot where he's chasing a car down like a spiral. That is the second movie, chasing Johnny Vang away from the uh, the racetrack, yeah. And there's a shot where I feel like these movies sort of, they make it clear that they're very video game influenced, even from the 8-bit opening titles, the first one, everything. But that to me really felt like a Prince of Persia game or something yeah. like the realization got, like, that like, running down, yeah that running straight after him isn't going to do it but I can you know wall jump down to there and then yeah. he eventually jumps down and lands on the car that I thought was the the sort of biggest unifying moment of like if they want to make it feel like a video game that was pretty great yeah and Statham did a lot of that shit really? Uh, like, they said they just had to make sure the producers weren't on set that day <laughs> <laughs> Is he big in transporter of doing as much as he can himself? I seem like he does a lot of the martial arts because you see his face. Right. And right, at yeah. least I know like pretty heavily in, in the transporter movies, like, you know, those action shots, you really see him doing the, the yeah. moves and everything. There's not a lot of cutting away from that. Right. Nuts. Right. Nuts. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait to sit down and watch all the transporter movies. <laughs> um, pr- probably going to do that in a year or two um <laughs> take a break yeah 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 it's uh you got your fill on statham for a minute <laughs> yeah man oh uh, i watched three jason i watched two jason statham movies one of them twice um in in a week um so I'm, I'm good for a minute but uh yeah like this is a whole different way to make a movie from how i'm used to movies being made and for that reason it's real fascinating um and because it's definitely not unsuccessful it, it, it's a movie at the end, and it's got a tone, and it knows what it's doing. Um, it's not compromised, and that's the number one way a movie can go bad for me, is if it's compromised. Like, I'll even give Southland Tales the time of day, because it's not compromised. Uh-huh. Um, Hello, Southland Tales. It's terrible, dude. <laughs> Southland Tales is a fucking, it's a fucking dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's really bad. But it's fascinating. Am I losing credibility with anyone? <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Um, yeah. So, so what? What are your final thoughts, JP? We're skipping uh, you, Garrett. We already know. <laughs> um. No, I mean it was a fun thing to rewatch. I think probably a little bit of the um, the exciting run and gun nature of it will probably fade with that becoming more of the standard and something that people can do. And cameras are small and light and. Half the people I see on motorcycles on the freeway have a GoPro strapped to them. Yeah. So, I think that probably some of the allure won't be quite as impressive, but I think it was certainly an important movie at the time, and it really showed what you could do on very little budget. Yeah. Almost like the, um, you know, like, the George Lucas pre-Star Wars era, like, let's do a little camera test, and then give us a little bit more money, and yeah. see if we can really blow this method out. Yeah. Like, so, it's, I think it's going to be important. I thought it was a fun watch. Um yeah, totally worth revisiting. Yeah. No, I'm glad I rewatched it. I mean it's like you said, it's important because there's a whole glut now of these sort of B level economical action movies that are way better than like the big two hundred fifty million dollar movies like your John Wicks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I'm I think your sure war zone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. Um <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to seeing hardcore. I don't know that I think it'll be good. But that's fine. That the new... first person one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to see it because I'm prone to motion sickness. Uh, so mm. I will be skipping it. I'll uh-huh. go with you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, fine. I'm assuming you maintain that it's the best movie ever made. Oh, yeah. That's not going to change. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Until I have run into Brian Taylor uh, several times, uh-huh. and he's given me updates. Uh, <laughs> Do we get exclusive podcast uh, news? <laughs> well, one of these he, now he's like it's at a point where it's who knows what'll happen with it. Sure, but uh, the first time I had asked him about it when I ran into him in our I'm assuming we were talking about Crank Three. Yes, okay, Crank Three. I said that was what I said. I was like I gushed about Crank Two to him. I was like Crankiest. The, I, I said Crank Two is the best movie ever made, and he laughed and said I agree. <laughs> 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 but uh, he he said I asked, am I going to get Crank Three? And he said, you'll probably get it. It'll be a while. I'm like, what are you going to do if Statham won't come back? And he gave me my answer. The answer I wanted. <laughs> Which is he's fucking burned up and bandaged at the end of the second movie, so you can just put any old face on him. Mm-hmm. They, if Statham won't come back, they're going to remove his brain and put it in Terry Crews' body. <laughs> <laughs> Is Terry Crews going to speak with a British accent the whole time? I have no idea. <laughs> wow. But That's... that was, the, when I talked to him, that is what he told me. Wow. At least, so I, uh, fuck, I need that movie. <laughs> I need a movie where Terry Crews has to pretend to be Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd watch, I'd watch the shit out of that. I would absolutely watch that until the end of time. I want that now. Um, right now. Let's go raise money. Um, please, please, please. Uh yeah, so uh I think that's it for uh for crank and crank two. Yeah. Um so I guess it's my pick for next time. And um, you know, I was thinking uh that we might like watch Snatch because you know Jason Statham makes me think of Guy Ritchie, or we could watch Lockstock. Mm-hmm. Um but I honestly don't really like those movies. Um so I don't <laughs> want to watch them again. Sure. Um so since Crank One has a car chase inside of a mall. We're watching Blues Brothers next time. Um, and you're going to find out it sucks. Wait, what? <gasps> I'm just kidding. You're I love <laughs> Blues Brothers. I thought oh, okay. I was like, in a second, viewing Blues Brothers isn't that good. No, it is. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> absolutely it's that good. Still awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, no, I, I, I suspect that I'm going to still love Blues Brothers. I probably <laughs> haven't seen it since like... Single digit ages, so. Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah. <laughs> I watched the last time I watched Blues Brothers was I watched the first 20 minutes of it because my girlfriend has never seen Blues Brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, she fell asleep. <laughs> um because I think Blues Brothers is one of those movies that boyfriends show their girlfriends and then their girlfriends <laughs> fall asleep during them. Sure. You know those those movies? This movie literally that exact situation with the same movie happened two months ago. <laughs> <With> <laughs> Blues brothers? Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible, yeah. Um yeah, so uh so that's it. We'll uh we'll catch you on the next one. Uh thanks so much to our guest Garrett. Where can people find you on Twitter and social media and stuff, Garrett? Uh, at Gartet on Instagrams and twitters and all of that follow him he's witty he's got let's say unique taste in movies um, well, I, I just want to say thank you for letting me come talk to you guys about the things so many people have been tired of hearing me drunk talk about <laughs> <laughs> it was our pleasure it's cool man i get drunk and talk to people about wrestling a lot i totally oh, understand man. yeah <laughs> not just you all right well uh, we'll catch you on the next one all right thanks bye